All right. Um, what it is, what's up? Glad I finally got to do this in a cut. I've uh, been meaning to do this since the game ended, and just for one reason, done that I just wasn't able to read around for it. Um, just to preface this, I am an Auburn fan, uh, especially when it comes to basketball, obviously football. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I am a fan, so my analysis of this game is going to teeter in that direction, I guess. Um, just some quick stats before I go to wait. So some of my – again, I'm, I'm not a coach either. I watch a good bit of basketball, mainly – of the NBA variety, but pretty much most of my analysis comes from an amateur's perspective and not even like a high cover NBA basketball. I cover basketball. I do like articles. I just look like someone who watches games. So it's not like super uh, deaf in a way. what I'm saying. I'm just trying to convey what I think could help. Uh, and not just what they should do, but just what I think could help. Um, but just quick stats. Uh, UConn went 50% essentially from the floor. Auburn went uh, 43.2%. Auburn put up five more shots. Uh, as far as three-pointers went, went UConn went 57.7% from the three. We went, we went 40%. My investigation is just trash around this time of the night. Uh, they put up 26 threes. We put up 30, which... It's about how much Auburn puts up. I think General Auburn puts about 30 to 33. They make about 33%. So, you know, do the numbers there from yourself. Uh, so pretty much about in line with actually, I would say, over where it usually would be at at that point. Uh, and then going into the rebounds, which I think is almost to tell the tape, literally decided the game and multiple ends as far as uh, overtime and such went. They had 48 rebounds. We had. 35, which feels a lot closer than it was watching that game because, God, I swear we got doubled up on rebounds, honestly. Let me double-check it one more time. 48-35. Okay, so yeah, 43. So 13 deficit. Uh, got massively outsisted, I feel like. Uh, they had 23 at 14 steals. I feel like we should have a massive advantage there. Uh, 13 steals, wow. They had eight blocks. He had one. Ugh, that feels bad. Sometimes, you know, blocks are like one of those. Like, I think there was one where, like, they had a block and a steal, and I guess maybe it went Kessler's way in that one block. I don't remember particularly what that – oh, it actually do as a chase down block. Um, That was Kessler's block, and then we blocked for the team. And this is a team that led in blocks last season and seemed to be on pace to do that again this season. So uh, credit to UConn, who had the obviously the high advantage in – using that to not be blocked. Um, one thing I will touch on before I get to the past, the last few of these, uh, they had 24 turns. We had 14, which is good. Uh, we do like to win that adventure if possible. Uh, they had 12 more personal fouls, which goes to another narrative uh, coming out of this game. And obviously, that's just more points than we do. So I'll try to touch on these real quick while they're on my mind. The personal fouls, a lot of people got at that game pretty much like saying the, the refs helped UConn severely. Um, I think there was a stretch in that game where the refs kind of let a lot of things go. And when that happens, usually the fans of the team that is less physical or smaller is going to construe that as the refs going one way. I felt like they pretty much let it fly both ways. And the problem with that is that UConn was bigger. And for a big part of the first half, some parts of the second half, uh, more physical. 
So that combined may, may seem like the rest went one way, but I mean, I never felt watching that game that like the rest were just like nut riding uh, Gonzaga. Like I just felt like there's some calls that would have been pretty big that went one way, such as the uh, Katie not getting a foul call and the uh, transition layup to I think close out the and they closed out overtime. It may have been the first the, the game in, in totality, but I think it was a close at overtime, the first overtime. Uh, I think Katie was fouled, and it wasn't called. And I know Jabari, when he his missed, I want to say his missed three, that was when it was, I want to say a three-point game, three- or five-point game towards the end of the game, and that wasn't called. I think that was one that should have at least been looked at, but – I would say in totality, I mean, it's very lazy to say, like, we lost the game because of the refs. We played more physical and initiated a lot of fouls, but we also were way smaller and went directly, like, not with any finesse or what, whatsoever, but just went directly into Sinogo many times. And you, would you think, like, by the law of averages, by how many times they drove at Sinogo, they would have fouled out? Yeah, probably. But, I mean, he played smart. He played vertical many times. Like, I, I didn't ever see him really have too many sloppy foul or block attempts. I mean, he was, to me, he played very well. Uh, any, any block attempt he had on, like, our bigs always seemed pretty legit, uh, especially Kessler. Kessler went on weak on him multiple times. It did not work out. Uh, he had a massive advantage over uh, Jay in terms of both frame and uh, height. I will say shout out to Jalen for playing out there. Jalen had a core strength, which he showed up against some other matches before too, but he had a lot of core strength that made him work better uh, against Sunogo uh, in the post compared to Kessler. Kessler, I mean, gave his full effort, but Kessler bites often on pumps. He uh, simply was, he doesn't have a lot of core strength. Like Jalen, I guess even like, the only time I remember Jalen like being unable to just stand on the floor in terms of an advantage or matchup was um against Missouri Center uh last season. And they put in Akinbola. I think Akinbola's one game pretty much the entire season. Uh I don't I guess they didn't want to go to Akinbola this game because the offensive detriment. Like they needed to no go out of the paint. And Jalen being in there allows you to stretch him out there to the, the uh the three-point line, and then Kessler kind of serves the same purpose. Like, he at least has to acknowledge Kessler three-point line. So it might have seemed like an attempt maybe, or maybe at least a passing thought for some fans, like, why don't you use Bob Atunde, who works for this type of matchup? Um, he did get one minute. So, I mean, I guess maybe it was a passing thought, but that's something we want to commit to. And even Carwell got only seven. Um Cardwell, he is beefier than Kessler, but he kind of does have even more of a tendency to bite on things. And uh, he's not as good a rim protector. Uh, he gives a lot of effort and a lot of heart, but he's not as he's not as smart a rim protector as Kessler. And he also kind of from the same, suffers from the same, I guess, befalls as Akinbola in that he can't play around the, the uh, paint. I mean, not the paint, the, uh, the three-point line. So... I think he's a good roller, which is him versus Stockton Bung. He's a good roller, but our guards cannot hit a uh, – uh, cannot create angles, passing angles to get the game, the uh, the ball to the bigs whatsoever. And I'm glad a lot of people are trying to see that. 
I'm starting to see that a lot of people are able to, because I, I felt like that was an unsold talking point that did not get highlighted enough when now it's analyzing uh, Austin Wiley. Like that 2020 year, and even 2019 year when Harp was off the court, guys could not create angles to get the ball to Wiley outside the bigs. A lot of the time, our bigs were the best entry passers back then. And you fast forward to now, before this game at least, I would say Jabari and Kessler have been some of the best entry passers on this team. Uh, Jalen, too. Jalen wins as well. And I think I've touched on that in the previous one, but our guards are not good. I don't know if it's a recruiting thing or what, but our guards have, recently historically speaking, not been good at creating angles to get the ball too big and also have not been able to really even uh, make the defense worry about pick and rolls much. I will say pick and rolls early in this game were very effective, uh, especially with Zepp and Wendell going to the uh, cup. But the problem is that, like has been all season, is that the bigs have not been a real threat on the roll. I may have seen the big at the ball on a pick and roll like twice, maybe. And I've watched a good bit of uh, of Auburn basketball so far. It's, it's just... I think what kind of worked away from that eventually is that, like, it just – and I'm talking about the top of the key pick and rolls. Uh, Sonogo would just, like, pretty much – or whoever their big was at that point just face the, you know, front the roller, and then that would immediately, like, dissuade the guard from attempting. It really doesn't take much to dissuade our guards from attempting a pick and roll. They – very minimal amounts of things. Uh, and that's going to be a problem going forward because, I mean, if you have these guards that are very good going to the cup, but the the roller can or not the roller, but the center the opposing center can just say okay well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pretty much you know either hedge and you know recover by fronting uh, the center or I'm just gonna straight up front the center every time like he's gonna be able to you know make some contact with the uh, the guard you know put his body on the guard and then the the counter punch of that is like either a lob or you know a wraparound pass or, you know, maybe in a bounce pass, you can get it, you know, in that. But, like, if there's no threat for the guards to hit the center in any kind of inopportune situation, it's like, it's just going to be the guard getting doubled every time they pick and roll. And, or, you know, at least help be able to come over eventually because they're not going to be able to, they're not going to have to respect the, the center. And that's where I see a lot of, you know, uh, as of late, it's just, UConn did not respect the roller after a while and stopped allowing the easy pick and rolls uh, from top of key. Uh, Bruce did try to do like the kind of corner pick and rolls, which was touched on by the announcers. Uh, it worked a couple times and it didn't work a couple times. What really hurts is that like I don't think our guards are particularly good at driving or kicking, driving and kicking, I guess I should say. Uh, I think you could have either the wing come and help, and I don't think our guards can make that pass to the wing quick enough. Uh, and then I don't think that actually I, I saw it. Uh, Wendell, he had the I don't know what point of the game this was, but he had the pick and roll, uh, side pick and roll, got past the center. Uh, I think it was a I don't know if the center is a big, some, some big that was um uh, switching out of that point, and he got a step on the the uh, the big and they just collapsed both the center who was in the paint and then I think another wing came over and helped. It collapsed. Uh, the center's man was open, if I can remember correctly, but it was such a hard pass to get. And it was called, you know, a, a kick out of bounds. 
uh, by a UConn player. But, like, that was a bailout pretty much because Wendell was in no man's land. Like, he rolled too far, so he couldn't make, like, a stop and pop shot. He, I don't know if he's a, even a 10 or going to, it looked like he kind of predestined he was going to try to pass it. So he didn't really look to go to the cup, it felt like. Although the center was in front of him, so, I mean, it wasn't a great decision to make. And then I want to say, now I'm just kind of really trying to reach to my brain at this point. But I want to say the wing on the opposite side was in between the passing lane between Green and the other corner three-point shooter. So that wasn't an available pass from the jump. And I just tell to say that, like, our pick-and-roll game on both sides, I really want to get into this, on both sides, really, it's just not good currently. Uh, I'm going to take a break real quick and then get into the pick and low defense on the other side. Or pick and pick in general defense, just switch IQ on the other side. Yeah, so we kind of this like this kind of, I guess, problem, I would say. Um, I thought I, I really, I think, lightly touched on because games were won and there was adjustments made to this, but I felt like our switching IQ has been bad all season. And a part of that goes into they've run a lot of press man, and I'm not talking about football, but they run man coverage and they run press uh, with the two lead guards. And then usually if it's Wendell running the point of attack, uh, he'll reach. He, sometimes he gets beaten, he reaches, sometimes he just reach straight up. Uh, they do like to generate a lot of steals, but I think sometimes they do it at the behest of good basketball. Kessler reached in where he had a lead at one point. I think he had the, the game was tied after that because he reached on one of their guards. Uh, I, I, they said it was Kessler. I think it was the guard really because he reached to me, but somebody reached and sent him to the line late in the, the actual game. So it's like just dumb basketball. It's a lot of reaching that goes on, and a lot of time when they, you know, obviously you reach, you get beat. Um, and this is just in general, speaking more in transition, they get beat and then you have to find another man to get on. The problem with this game is if you do that, you press, you reach. And they didn't do it too much as the game progressed, but you reach in transition, you try to find another guy. Well, if it's like Wendell Green or even any of our big, even Katie Johnson, but any of our bigs, uh, any of our guards, uh, I mean, say, you try to go over and like find another man to get on because obviously one of the Auburn defenders to come over and switch onto that man. So he has to leave his man alone. Uh, height advantage for anybody against Wendell Green, which is massive. And a lot of the times they would run off ball plays to get, like, let's say you have Wendell on uh, Martin, I think his name was, the, the, the three for their team, small forward, quote unquote. Uh, they'd find a way to highlight that mismatch almost every time, you know, run the post, get to him isolation on the other side, the weak side, uh, you know, whatever. And I felt like a lot of times it was like self-inflicted things. Like our guys are not kind of built to fight over screens. And then I felt like our bigs were not going to try to attempt to leave our guards dolo with the uh, height disadvantage. So they just pretty much gave up space a lot of times. Like I said, they ran a lot of off-ball actions where guys just get lost. I've seen, I saw Window Green get lost like several times on uh, off-ball screens. I don't know how much they practice, uh, you know, screens and such, but I I, I want to say at least two or three times on those open threes by uh, what Folly is his name, Polly. Uh, I would just see some guy trying to recover over like 
three, four seconds later after Parley's already set. And it's just, you know, that's death. And same thing that happened with Hawkins. I mean, Hawkins would get open on, on, on the screen. A lot of the ones that were the most just hard to watch, it's just like a straight-up pick and roll. And for one reason or another, you know, someone would just wouldn't be able to get over the screen. And then the big, obviously, our big pretty much dropped down almost every time on the screen. Like, there was, I can't think of any time where a big pressed up on a screen. Uh, I guess you can't your bars a big, and yeah, I mean, I feel like sometimes he's just so nimble. But I feel like a lot of times everybody else would just, like, drop down, and that gave open threes so often. I So they, they made 15 threes. I feel like at least seven of those makes were wide open because I think every time Polly's shot was wide open, Hawkins, he had – uh, oh yeah, Arthur Cole had a dagger. The dagger three that was like um, I want to say it got inbounded. They ran like some kind of I think I want to say I want to say they ran a a back pick to get Cole going to the rim, and then whoever his man was kind of got lost, and then Polly just not Polly but Cole just like kind of drifted back to the corner, and they gave it back to him and he just splashed it. Uh, our guys are not good off ball. I feel like like. Some more, like I think Cambridge is decent off ball, uh, but I think most of our guys seem to sell better. I think, I think Katie can be good um, off ball too. I think he does a lot of just kind of trying to find the most optimal turnover route, and a lot of that time it's just him sticking his man and then just going for the ball. But somebody like somebody like Wendell, I mean, Wendell is just. Just not a very smart defender. I think he's okay for his height as a, a point attack defender, but like, I I just don't think he's a particularly good uh, off ball defender. And let's get it, let's, let's finally get into some of the uh, suggestions I have for maybe improving the team a little bit. I'm, just, I'm trying to throw like three or four out there. Number one, I mean, I would say. I think your close line should involve Jalen Williams in some capacity. I think Jalen is probably your most mobile five option. Uh, your more versatile, most versatile five option, I feel like. Uh, his three is more pure. And this is kind of contingent on the matchup because Kessler did prove that he's a legitimately like solid rebounder today. I kind of feel like you know he had the height advantage in most of these previous matchups, but he looked a legitimately good rebounder today. And... Um, his putback game wasn't too bad. I mean, he kind of went up soft a couple times, but pretty decent putback game, I felt like. Um, but I would say the majority of matchups, I feel like, because, I mean, Katie Johnson seems way more comfortable operating going to the cup. Zep, outside of open threes that come off the uh, catch more than off the dribble, I feel like he's more comfortable going to the cup and trying to do something with that. Uh I just think it opens more things up to have Jabari. I mean, not Jabari, but uh, Jalen out there. And I think Jalen can help create for Jabari, too. I don't think Kessler can do that. And I think when Kessler's, like, missing, as he did, you know, pretty, pretty much most of the game, uh, I think you have to pretty much send it under the rim. Like, I feel, I just feel more comfortable with Jalen. And Jalen can initiate from the perimeter, I think, better than Kessler, too, which, you know, that may be contentious to some people. But, I mean, he literally put a move on Sonogo that, Cast their further doing 25 minutes of play. It's, he just has more creativity with his game. 
I would say a close line should probably involve Jalen more times than not. This just unless it's like a physical like mismatch that Kessler has been able to stay with more than Jalen has. But uh, I think I would probably go. I find this less ball stopping with Zeppin instead of Wendell. But honestly, Wendell gives you kind of that that um that you know really stretching the floor with his three point shooting ability, uh, which is just a detriment sometimes because he'll just think he can settle for that and just. It's tough. I think in terms of just optimizing the entire lineup, I would say Zep, Katie, Cambridge, uh, uh, Jabari, and then Jalen. That would be probably the optimal close enough to me, uh, in my opinion. Just, just my opinion. So going from there, uh, another suggestion. I would just say one more off-ball sets for Zep. I think this kind of carries over from last game where you had. Probably one of the better open threes we had uh, against South Florida. He has good form. Um, I, I like him as off ball. I, the problem is that like sometimes it's more than just running a set. Because I mean, a lot of times you don't have good screen setters in college. You don't have guys who really know how to initiate. You know, even a good screen, like they don't really know how to, you know, get the whole dynamics of getting past the screen, getting in triple threat and set getting a good shot up, you know, feeling if the guy's too close in there back to get a good shot up versus just getting a contested one up or he can get a good closeout, uh, knowing how to go for triple threat to maybe faking it and going. I'm not saying I know how to do that stuff. I'm just saying, like, in comparison to what you see at the NBA level, not everybody's good at, like, reading screens, even if it's a good screen off ball. So I can't say that in a vacuum that you can just run the same test you run for Cambridge that you would for Zep, and it's just going to work. Like, Cambridge is a very smart off-ball player, uh, like, on both sides, I think. He's probably one of their smartest on both sides. So you can't just say, let's just run this for him. But I think you should probably try because he has a pure shot. I feel like he's just – he should probably be your – ideally, like, the tertiary, maybe my f- fourth option in creating, like, driven the ball. But now he's kind of – has to be more of a two or, or – you know, I mean, best case scenario, third option in the court, and I think he could really work as an off-ball guy. That's just my opinion. Uh, but Cambridge is obviously better than that, so I'm not saying that you can just one for one, but it's maybe something to consider. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Kessler, Jabari, Cambridge. Oh, yeah, Jabari. Um, you, you just got to put the battery in his back and not take those those contested mid-ranges and uh, those contested threes. I mean... Open threes, I'm fine with that. Perfectly fine with him taking those. Um, and the mid ranges when they're like in rhythm, but like if he's just pulling up, taking mid ranges like after being cold. I mean, you can see literally a difference between this game and um, the game two games ago against I believe ULM. Uh, rhythm is everything for Jabari. He, you can, I mean, you can see the confidence. He's a, you know he's a freshman. You know, no matter how good you are as a freshman, you're still a freshman today. And confidence and emotions are a big part of like what makes a freshman a freshman. You can tell that he like, was just out of it mentally for a good part of the first half. And a couple of shots started falling from him going to the cup. And I just wish he supported that more often, especially when that guy got into – he was in the four fouls for a while before he finally fouled out uh, his matchup. I, I just wish he put the ball in the cup more. They kind of went ISO and just consider, continued pursuing that. And they did try to give him that a couple of times. He would just like – after he got the couple of legs, try to – take the mid-range, but I didn't feel like he was actually in rhythm. And obviously, the player would know if he's in rhythm more than anything, but I feel like he just kind of 
got a little he's like, hey, let me just try mid-range. And this takes some really bad shots, uh, especially when you consider that he was, you know, 12 free throws. He had almost more free throws than Katie Johnson, who drove pretty much every possession. So it's, it's got to be more of an emphasis on getting him going to the cup. And obviously you can't do it in the pick and roll if guys can't pass it to you in the pick and roll. So so you got to find ways to get him going. But uh, maybe some more off-the-ball action. I, it's so hard because our passers are just so not good. That it's like I'm trying to find ways to compute these guys the ball rolling to the to the brim without being able to really get them to pull the ball in any kind of dynamic angle. I don't know. It, it's really a calamity because I feel like if Sharif came back, dude, and I, you don't play the if game, but if Sharif came back, I feel like Jabari'd probably be like the leading scorer in college basketball, and I really mean that. Like I, I feel like there's so many pick and roll teams that's never scored. He can get off the ball. He can get off the ground really quickly for his height. Uh, seven. What I said. What seven one seven two wingspan. I mean, he he's so mitigated by this this guard core. It sucks. So I mean, like literally the. Look at the I mean, you don't even like ball watching. I think is more important than stat watching. But you look at the way the assist worked out, dude. K Zep has three. Katie had one. Wendell had five and that's like a good day like you get nine assists out of those guys that's a really good day but like i feel like you should just well, you have jabari going to the cup you have you know kessler as a pick option a screen uh pick option you know Jalen williams getting a lot of open shots i feel like there should just, just be more assists being generated but and this, again this is a good day for them like window getting five assists is a really good day for window Zep has kind of looked like more of an, a better assist accumulator than Wendell. Uh, he had, I believe, he had six. I want to say last game, either that or UM game. Uh, he's able to at least see the court more, I think, than uh, our boy Wendell is at this moment. But yeah, that just Jabari is definitely. I mean, optimized. Let's just say that. <laughs> I want to say that right now. Uh, but he does have to. Kind of try not to settle as much for the the AD game. Basically, he literally played an AD game today. Uh, contested threes, you know, get a, a similar space, pull a three, have a guy that he is sporting almost the entire game and so for a contested mid range or just like a pretty much get the ball already spent to a face up shot. I mean, it's like literally the thing that makes most people pissed off about 80s that you see the, the stats and you're just like, man, 80s at like 28 points. Uh, but it's like, you know, like inefficient. And you look at like the advancing statistics on his like this could have been fifty times better if he just went to the cup more. And I mean that's how I feel about Jabari. I feel like Jabari probably could have got twenty fouls in this game if he wanted to. Twenty free throw shots in this game. Um that's really about it as far as off the top of my head. I kind of wanted to break this game down more than I wanted to just delve into, you know, takeaways per se, but uh I feel like, you know, some of the problems that can be fixed. I think you can find a way to make Wendell work more. Uh, I, I think if he were more, I, he seems to be more comfortable taking pull-up threes, but if you could turn him into an off-ball three guy, like I think Jerry Harper could have been a really good three-point shooter off the ball, or even better than he was as an on-ball three-point shooter. Maybe not in a, as high a percentile, which is like basically saying that you may be a bad off-the-dribble three-point shooter, but like you're in the top percentile of like guys, period, overall. I think that Jared could have been an elite off the ball catch and shoot guy. I think that could be Zip, I mean, not Zip, but Wendell, but 
I think it'd be Zepp too, of course, but I think Wendell really would. Because uh... when Flanagan gets back, he's going to be the lead ball handler, right? So it's going to be like, uh, assuming that neither Zepp or Wendell become like way better facilitating uh, going into that period of time. But when you get Flan back in his rhythm, so to speak, he's going to be the lead ball handler. It's going to be like, how do you make Wendell work? Because Zepp is definitely comfortable, way more comfortable being an off-the-guy, off-the-ball guy. But Wendell is like, he just seems to pretty much be meaningless unless he's getting the ball. I mean, like, unless he has the ball, not just getting it. So you have to figure out a way to make him work off the ball. And I, I imagine that's going to be more matches going forward where they feel more comfortable having him on the bench or at least, you know, like working in certain rotations. Like he could pretty much play starting minutes, but he's going to be working in certain matchups against guys. I think Zepp just forces everybody. You know, he, he has, you know, kind of have a, a frame disadvantage on some twos, uh, even some ones, you know, but mainly twos. But his hands, his IQ, he's going to just work way better in most situations. And if you have a KD on, you have Jabari on, maybe you get another guy in the lineup on at some point, it's really hard to rationalize having the ball stopper in over the, you know, the guys just a cog that can work. But depending on who's on, like if Wendell's on, then it's like, okay, well, then you just have KD take a backseat. You have, you know, maybe Kessler take a backseat. But in this game where it's more divvied up, I think it made more sense to have Zep just be a cog, kind of. Uh, but I do hope they find a way to optimize Wendell off the ball. If they find a way to optimize, um, you know, like, just a, a, a drive. I can't I can only go into it again, but just a drive a kick game. I mean, they really do need to figure out a way to, like, if you're going to have KD go into the mountains, he's not going to get, you know, what's it, 20 free throws, it felt like. Uh, let me pull it back up. Yeah, 16, that's not going to happen with everybody. He's not going to get 16 free throws with everybody. I'll tell you that right now. If he does exactly what he did today, there's going to be some nights where he still doesn't get free, um, that many free throws. It's just not a – there's nobody, like, virtually in the college that gets those type of calls. Road game, home game, neutral game, you know, going for it. It just doesn't happen. Uh, it's going to be more of a switch up. It's going to be like some more floaters, some more, you know, drop-offs. Definitely some more drop-offs. Some, some actual pitches of three-point shooters that are open versus just, like, not seeing them, which happened a couple times here, drives, and guys go open for three, and even on the strong side, you know, the ball handler side, and they still wouldn't see it, so it's like, okay, cool. Um, that's not great. That was another really good free-throw shooting day. Uh, a couple ones that you would have liked to have, especially the one that essentially allowed UConn to have a chance going into the end of the uh, regulation, but I mean, eighty percent. You know, you you'll take that as Auburn. I I felt it actually started pretty sluggish, if I remember correctly, but you'll take that if you're Auburn, in my opinion. That's about it, man. I really don't have much else to say. I thought Auburn looked good for a team without a really good facilitator. Uh, their starting center pretty much being abused by other teams' best player. Their starting center. Uh. I, I mean, I thought you did a decent job. I mean, they literally ran the offense through Sinogo, got productive counting, I felt like, uh, from him. And you still were right there until the very end. What is like a seven foot, or it's still at 6'10. Like 6'10, 300 pound dude, 6'9, 240. He's built bigger than 240. 
Uh, I think Kessler's like 240, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 245. He's built bigger than Kessler. <laughs> he's, he's, he's bigger than 240. Um, but, I mean, if that all happens, you still have a chance to win the end. You probably choke the game away. That's a good sign, in my opinion. Uh, I think we should probably handily beat our imagined Loyola Chicago. Um, just try to speed the pace up from the jump. We People ask, like, why do we think we're going to press from the jump in the, in the game? It's seen the way it did, you know, hindsight's kicking in. But, like, that takes so much energy out. Like, you can still get pace going without playing press. You just have to make shots. You have to, like, play good defense, which we did neither of uh, in the first half. So, well, it passed, like, the first couple minutes in the first half. Um, I, I mean, it really just comes down to like generating the same looks you kind of got towards it back in that game. Just generate more threes, go to the cup more, put the put the uh onus on the the refs to make calls, and uh, get stops. I'm mean, really just get stops. Just didn't get enough stops in this game, and we finally had like a good stretch of getting stops. We were able to tie, turn the tide significantly. So I would think that they come out pretty much trying to. Divvy in some press, I would think, but we'll just see. Uh, hope you all enjoyed this. You know, I'm, I have fun recording this, and I'll probably try to do something for Loyola tomorrow. But, uh, peace.